You're listening to episode 21 of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Hi, I'm Brent Hasker, the host of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and checking it out. And um, yeah, it's been an interesting last three weeks or so. I uh, suddenly, uh, about a few hours after a service on a Sunday, I suddenly had a tremendous uh, head pressure in my head. And um, yeah, it was a little scary. So um, I got checked out the next day. Uh, saw a doctor. They told me to get checked out at the yard ER and get get a uh, get some scanning done. So I had a CAT scan, and it turned out to be perfectly normal. I was fine in that regard. Um, but for the last uh, you know two and a half weeks or so, had I've had pressure in my head. Actually, it's been doing a lot better. I'm actually almost about back to normal now. The uh, I feel pretty much normal. But um, for the first uh, you know, week and a half or so of it, it was, you know, constant pressure in my head, dizzy spells, all that good stuff. Um, so anyway, I'm trying to get uh, through all of the uh, administrative uh, <laughs> red tape of getting an appointment with a neurologist, which is what the emergency room told me to do. After they released me, they said, yeah, go check out a neurologist. And so that's been taking like a couple weeks to get that uh, that appointment made, and, but I think we're almost there. I think we're getting past the last aspects of uh, getting that scheduled. And uh, so, yeah, I'll get uh, checked out and hopefully find out what's going on. But the good news, praise God, is that I, I feel just about normal again. So that is good. And it's constantly gotten better over time. But hey, I will gladly take any prayers anybody out there wants to uh, throw my way just for the doctors to find out whatever it was that caused that and for it to not come back and for them to figure out how to resolve it for me. Um, so thank you in advance for any of you out there that uh, will pray for me and, and uh, also for any, any, at any time for my family. I, I appreciate that, me and my family. And uh, yeah, thank you in advance. But uh, yeah, again, good news is that I'm feeling good. And so I am ready to produce another podcast, which is what I'm doing now. So, so yeah, let's get started. Segment one, Brent buys a precision bass. He's a real bassist now. All right, I did it. I actually, actually did it. I bought my first precision bass. I think I alluded to it in the last episode about having some interest in actually getting a precision bass and I actually, yes, I finally did it. So now I can actually uh, say that I'm a real bass player and that I actually own a precision precision bass. It's the one bass that's always eluded me. Uh, I've had little ex little experience with uh, precision, almost next to none with the precision, most of my bass playing uh, life here. And so, uh, and it's also, it's a four string bass, which I have nothing but five strings until now. So it's, uh, that's been a challenge for me um, to, to restrict myself to just four strings and just how it feels so differently with my hands and it's weird. I have, I'm, I'm like, I know most bass players, they feel more comfortable on four and then they migrate to five, but I 
tried to start off on four and hated it. And once I played a five string, I was like, oh, now I feel at, at, this is how it's supposed to feel. And, and actually I really developed on a, on a five string bass and I've never felt comfortable on a four, but I went ahead and bought the a four string precision just because, hey, I had to do it. <laughs> Everyone's got to have a four string precision. So I got one and it's just a cheap little uh, precision. It's nothing fancy at all. I mean, it's the bottom level Squire. It's the Squire Affinity Precision, but it's cool. It's a cool bass. And uh, yeah, I've even used it in a number of services so far, uh, probably about five or six different services I've used it in. And it's done well. It actually sounds really good live. And uh, you know, it, it definitely, uh, performs a lot better than I thought it would for, for such an affordable bass. And it also plays really well. It, it's definitely a bass that could use some fret work, you know, proper setup, but I did my best on it to, to get it playing pretty well at a pretty low action. I just can't go up above the 12 fret um, too much or else I'll, I'll start getting a lot of buzz. But uh, as long as I'm not above the 12th fret, it, I actually got it playing pretty well. And so I've enjoyed it, but I've also, it's definitely confirmed with me that, yeah, I'm not a four string bass player. It's also confirmed in me that, yeah, I'm a jazz bass kind of guy. So um, even though it's been a fun bass to have, I'm probably gonna actually sell it pretty soon <laughs> just because, yeah, it's a four string precision and I'm a five string jazz kind of guy. So, but uh, it, it's given me the, uh, the pickup combination that I like. The uh, Affinity Precision is a PJ pickup configuration. Uh, so I've, I do really like that pickup configuration a lot. If I sell it, I'm probably going to replace it with another PJ style bass. It's just uh, what one, well, I kind of got one in mind that I'd really like. I'm really, I really like the Yamaha BB series that they have, the new BB series. And uh, I would love to have like a 735. It's a little bit more pricey, but even the base level uh, 235 would be, would be a nice bass to have just as something you know, basic for uh, for a PJ type of bass configuration. I also got a PJ on my small uh, short scale uh, Ibanez TMB35, but I, you know, it's a little bit of a different sound because it's a short scale. It's definitely a, a great sounding bass. It's probably um, one of my better sounding basses, but uh, definitely a full size PJ is is what I would like to make sure I keep in my arsenal. Of bases uh, after having the uh, the full size precision, I definitely go. Yeah, this is this is something that I would like to uh, to have full time, just in a four string and something that's more fitting to me ergonomically. Um, but yeah, it's um, if you're not familiar with the the Affinity series, you're probably familiar, of course, with Squire. Uh, but the Affinity series is like the lowest level of the uh, Squire line. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it, I mean, it's, it's base level. It's, it's really simple, but uh, I like it. If, if I was, you know, a four string guy and like precision, I would keep the base and probably mod it up. And um, I actually really like the neck on it. I think it's got a good neck. It just needs some fret work on it. And I'd probably uh, change, definitely would change out the tuners. The tuners on it, I'm not very fond of at all. And I would probably at some point upgrade the, uh, the pickups. 
Um, that was just if I were to, uh, to keep the base. But I did do a review online of it on my, on my YouTube channel. So if you're curious um, of maybe uh, the, you know, picking up your own Affinity Series uh, base just to try out, I did uh, do a, a review on it on the, on the Worship Blender uh, YouTube channel. So you can check that out. It's a fun little base. It's white with a black pick guard. I kind of like that color scheme. That's pretty cool. And it's got a maple fretboard, which is my only base that I have with a maple fretboard. Actually, I take that back. The uh, Ibanez EHB, I keep forgetting that that's maple. It's just it's a bird's eye maple. So it's a darker maple. So it doesn't, to me, say, hey, I'm a maple fretboard as much as a regular maple fretboard. But uh, yeah, it's a maple fretboard on the uh, Affinity. And uh, yeah, what else can I say about it? It's a, it's a precision base that does a decent job for the price. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for affordable base, definitely one to uh, check out. But uh, you would definitely also be well to uh, check out the Yamaha 235 or 234 series which is roughly around the same price point, maybe a few, few dollars more, but I think that's probably gonna be a better base. Segment two, more new gear? Hey mister, didn't you just buy a new base? All right, and guess what else I did? I actually bought some new pickups for my jazz bass, which I'm really excited about. Actually, technically, I bought one pickup. It's a Nordstrand Split J, 51 Split J pickup, and it's based more on, a, oddly enough, a Precision, a 51 Precision bass pickup. And I was really intrigued to try it. I, I've been wanting to put some new pickups in my in my jazz for a long time. Uh, and you know, just budget-wise, I wanted to just buy one just to try it out first before committing the two. Or maybe I was even thinking since the the Nordstrand 51 Split P is more like a precision base, maybe that would be a fun pickup to have in the in the neck position, and then have a more traditional jazz bass from a uh, pickup from Nordstrand in the uh, the bridge position. So I just bought one to try it out, uh, and when I opened the box. There was two pickups in the box. I was like, whoa, uh, that's a nice little surprise. So I, yes, I did email uh, Nordstrand back and said, hey, yo, guys, um, I, I paid for one, but I've received two pickups. So I don't want anybody to get in trouble if you're missing a pickup. So uh, let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll mail it back. And they said, uh, just go ahead and keep it. <laughs> so I was like, Cool, I cannot complain about that. So yeah, Nordstrand has definitely become a favorite company of mine right now. So uh, I am very anxious to, uh, to try out both of these pickups now. Now, now I can actually try both. And, and uh, so very excited about that. And also, guess what else I got? Um, I think I also mentioned this on the last podcast. Uh, there's a jazz control plate. Um, that I've been interested in getting, and so I got it. It's from a company called Short Circuit Electronics, a guy who just builds them himself out of his house, I guess. And he just, um, he just, I found him online. He doesn't even have a website. I just found him on YouTube um, doing some, you know, videos of him demonstrating 
uh, these control plates that he, he designs and builds. And I was really impressed with them. And so I wanted to try it out. And what's cool about it is that these uh, control plates that he makes, all the ones so far that I've seen from him are all passive based. There's, there, it's not like a, a uh, preamp, you know, where you're gonna have to put a battery in and whatnot. Cause my jazz bass is a passive jazz bass and I really would like to keep it passive. Even though this, these are passive control plates, they're a little different than your standard control plates. They're not just the standard volume tone. It actually goes a little bit further than that. And so this jazz bass plate has a veritone switch on it. And that veritone switch will uh, switch between different capacitors to give you a different tone for the bass. So in addition to volume, pan, and a tone knob, then you got this veritone switch. So very cool, and I can't wait to get that installed as well. It's what's what I also like out with the veritone switch is it, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, vintage synthesizers, but the old mini Moogs from the 70s had these big switches on it, these big clunky switches, and uh, they're really cool. That's what the switch is, the same kind of switch that was used on those old mini Moog uh, synthesizers. So that gives it a, a kind of a cool retro vibe there. And so yeah, I can't wait to try it out. So now I got, I got two pickups and I've got a control plate, both to put in my jazz bass. Now, one problem, I've never soldered before in my life. Um, I, I've never done it. So I guess I'm gonna have to learn how to solder in order to get these things in there. One nice surprise though, is my wife told me, oh, I know how to solder. So awesome bonus there. Um, that's always good to learn new things about your uh, your spouse and uh, especially when it's something that can benefit you in your, your music endeavors. So I'm going to tap into her soldering skills and together we're going to uh, figure out how to solder these pickups and control plates into the jazz bass without ruining anything. And uh, yeah, give it a try out. So I'll definitely, once I get them installed, I'll definitely give a, a review on it and uh, probably give you some sound examples as well. Um, but yeah, again, that short circuit electronics is the uh, control plate. Check them out. They've got a lot of cool uh, control plate products for jazz basses and Nordstrand pickups, which you've probably heard of before, very uh, popular pickup manufacturer. Segment three, funny story time. It must be in his German ancestry. All right, funny story time. A couple months back, we were playing a, we basically had a, a 90th anniversary for, for our church. And so in recognition of that, we, uh, were, we pulled out some old, uh, more older time, old, older time, old timey, whatever you want to call it, older Southern gospel style uh, songs to play. And I, that's not really a style that I have a lot of familiarity with. Um, actually, I did not, grow up in church. I'm, 
I'm later in life to the faith, so all of these old songs aren't very familiar to me, and the style is not something I grew up playing, so um, I kind of had to have a crash course in, in getting my, uh, my Southern Gospel bass lines uh, put together and making something that was realistic enough or passable enough to, uh, to be legit. Luckily, most of those bass lines are a lot of roots and fists, so I, I kind of relied on that a lot, some you know chromatic walk-ups and different things like that, and I was able to pull it off, um, which was good because we actually had one of the the uh, members of our church was one of the uh, original members of the church from 90 years ago. She's like really old. <laughs> and so, of course, she was a kid at the time when the church was was uh, was formed, but still impressive that we still have uh, a, an original member from when the church started 90 years ago. That's pretty impressive. And so, yeah, definitely want to make sure we uh, put on a good uh, a worship set doing those older style songs. And uh, so what was funny though, here's where the funny part comes in because I said it was going to tell a funny story. Um, the funny part was is that we were doing the rehearsal for the service the week before and we're playing through it. I'm doing my best to do my my uh, my root fifth type of uh, bass line and walking it up and all that other stuff. And at some point, I just burst out into laughter. I mean, I absolutely could not, I couldn't control it. I just completely stopped and just started laughing and I couldn't regain it for like, I mean, the, they kept playing for like a, a verse and a chorus and I was just, sitting there laughing, not even playing. And everyone was looking at me like, what in the world is, is wrong with him? But I could not stop. And the reason I couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing, it just hit me so hard, is I just, I, I realized we were playing polka music. It was, it was the funniest thing. And so, and, and because it, I guess, I guess the way I was playing the bass it just, and everything, it just, it, it didn't sound as much like, um, like Southern Gospels. It just sounded like, polka music <laughs> and so um and what was funny too is i guess somebody else thought it sounded more like country western because like every four bars they go yeehaw and i'm like what in the world is going on here so obviously there's so much overlap in different musical styles and you know you put that root fifth bass line down and it could be just about anything. It could be Southern Gospel, it could be polka, it could be country western. Um, so yeah, just kind of a funny situation because I could not stop laughing. It's probably the most unprofessional thing I've ever done on the platform, but you know, when you just get hit with laughter and you can't stop no matter what you try, um, yeah, that was it. So when we got to service on Sunday, I was just like, I was really just making sure, you know, game face, game face, game face, don't laugh, don't laugh. Um, and so luckily I, I made it through the service and uh, kept my composure for the, uh, for the service. Segment four, adventures in sustain. All right, it's nerd fest time. This is where I'm gonna nerd out on some uh, some technical stuff uh, regarding the bass. I, on one of my videos online, I did a, a review of the Ibanez EHB, and I keep referring to my video channel in this episode because if you don't know, I've got a video channel called The Worship Blender. Um, you gotta go and subscribe to that video channel because I have lots of 
lots of videos there, lots of bass related videos, lots of worship related videos. So definitely check it out. But I did a, a review on my Ibanez EHB bass, which is a uh, very light bass. It's only set approximately seven and a half pounds. So I had somebody in the comments on the video ask me about the sustain. And he was like, hey, since this bass is so light, do you find that that affects the sustain in any negative way? And it got me thinking, I don't know. Actually, I've never, never any bass that I've owned have I ever thought, gee, I wish this had more sustain. I've always had enough sustain for whatever situation that I've been in with the bass, with any bass that I've had. But it did make me wonder, I wonder how much, you know, because a lot of people talk about weight and sustain. And, and so I thought, I wonder how much that really does affect the sustain of the bass. And I wonder if this bass, sustains as well as my heavier bases like my my music man stingrays which are like 11 pounds so i figured look that'd be a fun video to try out and i could post the results and and uh share with people you know what i what results i had and kind of see if the hype of heavier bases uh actually lines up with being more sustained so I actually went through a whole, I spent all last Saturday just recording bass sustain notes. It was really honestly quite boring because I'm just like, okay, here we go. One, two, three, four. And then I, I held the note until it died out. And I did that multiple times with uh, each bass, with multiple notes on the bass, you know, multiple takes for each note and then line them all up and then i set up a cutoff so that once the volume died down to a particular point for my experiment i just arbitrarily picked a number because i didn't know what number to really pick so i picked negative 50 decibels once the the volume came down to negative 50 decibels on the meter on my DAW. I said, okay, that's the cutoff point. Now I'll measure the time from when the note started to when it ended there. That'll be the uh, how long the sustain is. And then, you know, take averages for each note on each bass and then, you know, measure them all up and see how, how the uh, instruments did. And I did this with five basses, um, you know, so I used a variety of basses all the way from a you know really light bass in my EHB to a heavy bass in my Music Man, and also mixed in some other basses um, like uh, my new really you know super cheap uh, Squire Affinity Precision bass, uh, my jazz bass. I even threw in uh, my short scale bass as well because I wanted to uh, also see how short scale versus regular scale impacted sustain as well. And the results were were interesting. Um, actually, there was truth in that the my light EHB EHB bass actually had the least amount of sustain of all the basses, but it also had the most consistent sustain from one note to the next. Where the other basses, it would vary a lot as to how much sustain there was for each note. Like for example, the B string on most of the basses didn't sustain anywhere near as long as the E string, uh, whereas the EHB was consistent across all the notes and all the strings. But the, the main thing that was most interesting was the short scale bass was the one that had the most sustain, uh, which really surprised me, but it was also weird in that it sustained, uh, it dropped off as fast as the other basses, but it held at a lower volume for a longer period of time before it finally died out. 
And then the Music Man, which is the heaviest bass, was actually had the third longest sustain. My Fender Jazz Bass, which is roughly nine and a half pounds, actually had more sustain than the Stingray, which really surprised me because I actually would have thought the Fender Jazz had the least amount of sustain. So uh, yeah, it was a very interesting results. If you wanna check it out, definitely, again, go to my video channel, The uh, Worship Blender on YouTube, and uh, check it out. Um, I, what did I call the video? Something about does weight affect bass sustain or something like that. Anyway, it's the most recent video that I've posted on there and uh, you'll see all the results. I go into a lot of detail on how I, did the, how I did the experiment and what the results were and even put together some graphs and charts and stuff. So make it you know, bona fide and official that I've got some ch charts and graphs there. So um, yeah, check it out if you're interested. And uh, I just thought, hey, this could be a cool thing because a lot of people talk about on bass forums, they're always talking about, oh, you gotta have a heavy bass. And so I wanted to find out if that's really the case. So it looks like you don't necessarily have to have a heavy bass. Uh, you just need to have a moderately heavy bass in the case of the uh, Fender Jazz. Um, but the light bass and the EHB definitely had the least sustain. But again, this is a completely non-scientific test. It's just me doing an experiment with the bases that I have available to me. So anyway, your results may vary, but uh, those were the results that, that I came up with. And that's it for another episode of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that if you like this uh, podcast, that you'll give us a good review on iTunes. That'll really help us out a lot. And of course, I mentioned earlier the YouTube channel. Make sure to check us there on YouTube, which is the uh, Worship Blender uh, channel and uh, lots of videos there. And of course, on our Facebook page, uh, Bass Guitar Worship Blender. If you just do a search on that on Facebook, it'll pull us up. We've also got a group there that you can join and uh, get some discussion going. All right. Thanks again. God bless you. And I uh, hope to see you next time. Segment one, Brent buys a precision blah. Precision blah? <laughs> it came out precision.